statement in every sector of our culture. The further we get from God, the less hope we have. And conversely, the closer we get to God, the more hope you're going to have. What happens when a culture forgets God? This is what happens. Wealth is idolized and truth is minimized. When a, when a culture forgets God. When a culture forgets God, life is trivialized and abortion is legalized. Television is vulgarized and advertising, you may have noticed this, is sensualized. Everything is sexualized and commercialized. And thereby our consciences, consciences become desensitized and anesthetized. And education then becomes secularized. Free markets are monopolized and politics are polarized. Sports even, as we've just seen, are scandalized. And morals and ethics are liberalized. Entertainment crime, get that. Entertainment crime is sensationalized and immorality is popularized. Drugs are legitimized and sin is glamorized. It's glamorous to have an affair. Wrong. Thereby courts are paralyzed and the breakup of the family is rationalized because it's all about me and my happiness. Manners are uncivilized Christians are demonized, and God finally is marginalized. Those who forget God have no hope. Now what families need, what cultures need, is a new injection of hope. And today I want to just do a couple of things. I want to define what hope is and what it is not. Because a lot of what people think is hope is really not hope. It's just hope is wishful thinking. It's wishing. And hope is, I want to suggest to you, something far more theological than it is psychological. And then I want to quickly give some very concrete reasons why we have hope. You may want to write this first point down. What is real hope? Well, I want to tell you what it's not. It is not optimism. It is not optimism. Nothing wrong with being optimistic, but there's a very big difference between hope and optimism. They're not the same thing. Hope, again, is theological. Optimism is psychological. And the Bible talks about three kinds of hope. Three kinds of hope. The first two are unreliable. The first type of hope is what we would call wishful hope. It's what most people mean when they use the term hope. You know, you're late to a meeting and you go, gee, I hope these lights stay green. That's what you're thinking. Now, maybe it will and maybe it won't. But that's just wishful thinking. It'll be green or it'll be red. That Your hope there is not going to change a thing. It's just wishful thinking. And it doesn't work. That is not the kind of hope you can build your life on. It is unreliable and 
ad hoc, wishful hope, cross. The second type of hope, the Bible even talks about this, and there is some basis in reality rather than just simple wishful thinking. For example, if I plant some tomato seeds in the back of my garden, which my son did yesterday, I may say I hope they sprout. Now, there is a reason that I can hold legitimately for them to sprout. I could have an expectation, a reasonable expectation, not guaranteed. It's reasonable, though. When a woman is expecting, expecting, there's a, a legitimate reason for that. But, sadly, as my mother found out early on in her life, even an expectant hope doesn't always come true. And many of you have known or experienced or know somebody who's experienced the pain of a miscarriage. So even though you were expecting, it wasn't a sure thing. It wasn't guaranteed. That's why the Bible talks about the third type of hope. It's the kind of hope that you need to build your life on. He says, you can anchor your soul on this. And it's called certain hope. And that's what the Christian hope is. Nobody else can offer you certain hope. It's not wishing. It's not feeling. It's not simply expecting. It's knowing for certain that you're going to have what you hoped for. The Bible talks about this in Hebrews chapter 6, if you have your Bible with you, and verse 19. Notice this. The certain hope of being saved is, circle these words, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. There is no doubt in certain hope. There is no sense of reservation or hesitation. There's no incentive, no but what if. There's no but what if in certain hope. It's confident. It is very assured. It is guaranteed and you can count on it. Now the Bible is just in that verse there highlights three characteristics of real hope. And you may want to circle those again. Strong. In other words, it's solid. It's reliable. It's sturdy. It's firm. It's unchanging. Second word there in that verse is trustworthy. It is dependable. Something you can rely on. And it's an anchor. What is the purpose of an anchor? Two main ones. Number one, the purpose of an anchor is to stop you drifting. Keep a boat from drifting. It's very, very easy, because I do this on my, on my ski. I drift with an anchor, and I, I don't have to use petrol. I just drift, and I can drift kilometers and kilometers and kilometers. And the winds just blow me. And Nathan, down in the Harricky Gulf. You can drift, though, into unsafe water without knowing it. Next minute, the depth sounds going beep, 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 beep. Two meters, beep, beep, one meter. Wah! About that time, we start up and back out. 
It's easy to drift without an anchor. It is easy to drift away from God without an anchor. It is easy to drift away from God's goals for you, his plan and his purpose for you without that anchor. It is easy to drift away from a person that you love without an anchor. It's easy to drift and very often we're unconscious that we are drifting. Things just kind of seem the same, but we're moving, we're drifting. So one purpose of an anchor is to keep a boat from drifting. The second purpose of an anchor is to add stability in a storm, to reduce the pitch and the roll in bad weather. And friends, just like the time I've had, and my brothers and my whole family, there's been some rough water. And you, like, you, like me, are going to have storms in your life. And you're going to have rogue winds that come unexpectedly. Oh, you know. For example, you know today, I can be a great, I can guarantee weather prediction, 100%. The next thing it's going to do after it's sunshine, it's going to rain. And then when it stops raining, it's going to sunshine again. And you know in your life, there's going to be some winds, you just don't know when. I don't know the wind. I don't, I don't even have tomorrow. But the point is this, that you'll go through rogue winds and tidal waves where everything seems like you're in a washing machine and you don't know which way's up. There could be financial ones. That's what the Bible says. Do not put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Moral. Moral storms. Ethical storms, mental storms, physical storms. But the point is, in those times, you and I need an anchor for your soul. Without it, you will drift in good times and you'll capsize in bad times. So the question is, where can you get real hope to anchor your life? The fact is, when people are in storms, they typically look in all the wrong places. When people are in deep pain, I mean pain that's got you in a knot in your stomach, they often look to the bottom of a bottle to relieve their despair. Or to pills, or to entertainment, or escapism, or trips or holidays to try and anesthetize their pain. But God says, when you come back from Fiji or Tahiti, you're going to come back and you're still you. It only anesthetizes us for a while. See, real hope, you may want to write this down, is based on God's word, not my wishes. Real hope. Real hope is not based on what I sense, but on what God has said. Real hope is not based on what I think is, or hope is going to happen, but what has God said. It's not based on my emotions, but what God has spoken. Real hope is not based on my imagination, but on God's obligation to keep his word. So certain hope is based on the fact that God, don't, don't miss this, cannot lie. 
Certain hope is based on the fact that God cannot lie. By the way, some people sometimes ask me, well, is there anything that God cannot do? Yes. There's one of them right there. He cannot lie. He'll never act against his nature. And throughout the promise, or throughout history, God has made promises. And he will always keep them. Let me give you an example of what it means to have certain hope. By putting your faith not on what you feel, but by what God has revealed. Not in your wishes, but his word. Here's one example in Hebrews 6. God made a promise to Abraham. So there's the promise. And Abraham waited patiently. You know how long patient is in this case? 25 years for it to happen. Point. God is not a vending machine. Put the money in, pull the lever, and it drops. God doesn't give you a promise and then the next day fulfill it. That's what I've noticed. Reality. But why? Because God is more interested in growing your faith than he is in meeting your timeline. That's why I love the, one of the hymns that mum chose for her celebration service in his time. She'd learned what that was all about. Not in her time, but in his time. So time goes by. So we receive what God had promised. By the way, he was 99 years old then. Both the Bible and the testimony of mature Christians encourage you and I to wait for God to act in his timing, not ours. It carries on. God wanted to prove that his promise was true to those who get what he promised. And he wanted them to understand his purposes never change. So God made no. Now there are two things that are unchangeable. What are they? One, God cannot lie when he makes a promise. And he cannot lie when he makes an oath. These things encourage us. Stay with me there. They give us strength to hold on. That's what an anchor does. To the hope we've been given. And we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. And it is sure and it is strong. Now, certain hope isn't based on feelings. It's based on what God has said and what his promises are. Our hope is certain because God cannot lie. Other people can tell you stuff, and they will lie to you. Our hope, though, is an anchor of our souls. It's strong, it's true, and it's trustworthy. Now, one day, Jesus gave us the key to defeating hopelessness. That's, there's no hope. And he says it here in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Jesus taught his followers, so Jesus is teaching us, too, that they should. Now, why don't you read this with me? What should they do? And what did Jesus teach to always pray and get it? That's God's word to you and I. Always pray, never lose hope. Always pray, never lose hope. Those, my friends, are the two alternatives in life. You can panic 
or you can pray. You can worry or when you can worship. And let me tell you, in the middle of the storm, you will be tempted to panic. You will be tempted to worry. And one thing I can tell you from my experience in the very recent past is the only thing that gave me a sense of tremendous relief from the weight that I was feeling was when I worshipped. I got my eyes off the, the situation, got my eyes onto him, and it lifted. Jesus says that we should always pray and never lose hope. And God wants you to never lose hope. How do you never lose hope? By praying. In the midst of mum's last earthly days, my brothers and I and our family experienced the strengthening comfort of the Holy Spirit. But let me say this one more time. Without God, there's no hope. It's just wishful thinking. Which caused me to drill into the scriptures some more. And I noticed something. I'm not going to be able to go through this in detail, so I'm just going to skim across the top. I looked at the 10 most common causes of hopelessness. What causes people to give up? Give up on their marriage. Give up on their purpose. Give up on their calling. Give up on, sadly, their life. The person who passed away straight next to us within minutes of mum passing away was a person who took their life out in Papakura. Shotgun. What causes that? What causes people to get to such a state that they think the only way out is to do that? Have a look on the screen. You may want to... I didn't put these in your notes. I'll tell you what causes hopelessness. The ten common causes summarized for you. Number one is when you feel lonely or abandoned over a long period of time. People can feel hopeless. Another common cause of hopelessness is when life seems absolutely chaotic and it's never going to change in a relationship or life. Notice though, a song we sung today. God is the one who brings a chaos back into order. God always does that. In the beginning, there was nothing. And that chaos, he created unbelievable specificity and order. Another cause of hopelessness and often depression is when you don't sense a purpose. See, research shows us people can handle an enormous amount of pain if they can perceive there's a purpose behind it. Fourth, grieving a loss. When you've had a major loss or a setback in life, that can cause a sense of hopelessness. Number five, when you don't have what you need and you're stuck. Number six, for some people, a deep sense of guilt and shame and regret. Number seven, when you've been deeply wounded by somebody, really hurt, so bad. And the wedge was driven so deep and the thorn in so far into your flesh, you cannot think of anything else. And bitterness and resentment will ultimately cause hopelessness in your life. 
Number nine, when you're pulled in the wrong direction, there's a word for this, a biblical word, it's called temptation. When you can't escape it, it seems to always drag you down. Number nine, when you're hounded by fear, you're anxious all the time, you're so scared, and your anxiety leads to hopelessness. And then number 10 is when it looks like defeat. When you feel you're not on the winning side, I'm on the losing side, and you're going to be absolutely done. Here's an interesting thought that came to me during the week. The Lord's Prayer, something that we know, and we can probably recite, but my question today is, do you really pray it? Not just recite it. The Lord's machine. We'll study these in a future series, but today I just want to give you an overview of the 10 reasons for hope that are the solution to those 10 problems of hopelessness. The first one was, when I'm feeling all alone, that was, remember that was the first reason for hopelessness, when I'm feeling alone. But the Bible says, my loving Father will never abandon me, our Father. Jesus revealed a father who is caring and comforting and consistent. And God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He will never abandon me. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will take care of me. That's an antidote to that sense of aloneness. You're not an orphan. An orphan. And that gives you hope in me. Secondly, when life seems out of control, that was the problem. And I feel powerless to change. I need to remember that God's power is greater than any problem that I face. God's power. Holy is your name. Psalm 52 verse 9 says, In your name I will hope. For your name is good. Your name is like a strong and mighty tower. The right just run into it and they're safe. There's hope in that. I'm safe there. Thirdly, when I'm confused and I don't see any purpose, I can be tempted to be hopeless. But remember this, God fits everything into his plan, even my mistakes and my sin. Your kingdom come. God has an overarching plan called his kingdom. And we are to seek it and live for the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says in Romans 8.28, we know that all things, in all things, God works together for good for those who love him. Not everybody. Those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. There's a reason for hope. When I'm grieving a loss... I remember that God has a greater purpose for my life. I surrender to his purposes, even when I don't understand the losses in my life. It says, thy will be done. One of the hardest things is to come to the realization, God, ultimately, I prayed, I said, God, You know what I want. I want my mum to get better. But nevertheless, 
More than all that, I want your will to be done for her. Mum was here for 81 years, 2 months and 30 days. The Bible talks about the boundaries of our lives are set and no man can move those. Actually, the Thursday before I left for Africa, I took Mum down to a particular restaurant and we had morning tea. We talked about all sorts of stuff, had a great time. One of the things she happened to say, which was really quite random for my mum, she said, Ian, when my time comes, I pray, I do not want to go into an old people's home. It would drive me mad. That's the first thing. Feisty. Yeah. I couldn't do that. I just pray that I would fall asleep and my heart would stop. And that's exactly what happened on the 16th of the 8th, 16. Not my will, Lord. I want to keep her, selfishly. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I'm worried that I won't have enough to meet my needs, I need to remember that God has promised to meet all of my needs. God wants you to depend upon him day by day. The Lord's prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. No, this is not monthly or annually or even weekly. Daily. Daily. The Bible says, since God loved us enough to send Jesus, won't he love us enough to take care of our needs? Romans 8.32. Since God did not even spare his own son. Take some time to think about that one. But gave him up for all of us. Won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? In other words, he will not hold anything you need to live for him. For him. Eighth, when I feel guilty and full of remorse and regret, I need to remember that Jesus paid the price for all I've done wrong. Because in the Lord's Prayer it says, forgive us our sins. And the Bible tells us there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. That gives me hope. And when I've been hurt or wounded or wronged unfairly, I need to remind myself that God will ultimately settle the score perfectly justly someday. And that is a big reason for hope. People just won't get away with stuff. Oh, they may do down here. And is justice done down on earth perfectly? Absolutely not. People are slammed in the clink for things they haven't done and people get out for things they have done. That's insanity. Luckily, that's not the end of the story. We're only halfway through the book. God says, one day I'm going to settle a score with perfect knowledge of all the facts. And he says, your job is to forgive. My job is to judge. And I will do that justly. And therefore the Lord's Prayer reminds us again, and forgive us. Forgive those who sin against us. And again, Romans 12, 19, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. That encourages me that he hasn't forgotten about those injustices. Especially what I saw and my wife saw and my daughter sees, and my son-in-law sees daily in some of these countries where atrocities are committed in mass. That encourages me that this is not the all there is. If it was, it'd be a poor dude. Number eight, when I feel powerless to stop doing something bad. 
We're not feeling it. I need to remember God has promised to help me. He says, and lead us not into temptation. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians, but remember that temptations coming to your life are no different from what others have experienced. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. So let me tell you how that goes one more time. Temptation comes along. You are tempted. In other words, you want to do whatever this is or say whatever it is or think whatever it is. The Bible says God is faithful. So when somebody says, oh, I couldn't help myself, you know what they're saying? They're trying to call God a liar because he says you always have a choice. And I will pull you this way. Your own selfish desires will pull you the other way. But there is always a choice. At that moment, ask for the Spirit of God. And the, I, I, I guarantee you, if you did, well, for me, that this works. If I'm ever in a sticky wicket, and you might find yourself like this, mm, 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 mm. do this. Focus immediately on God and start singing a, a song or something that will get your mind. I find if I sing, for me, just the way my mind works, my mind is absorbed in God, and then I get the strength to go the right way. I'm not going to go waltzing down that way, sinning, singing glory to God. It just doesn't work. So worship is a powerful way. He is faithful, and he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. But don't go, oh, you know, don't expect to go the right way if you just solely are following your sensual desires. You're going to worship. And then last uh, nine, when I feel threatened or anxious, or I'm afraid of forces coming against me, I need to remember that Jesus is greater than any other power. The Bible says in 1 John 4, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I haven't got much time for the opposition. He's a minor league player. I never want to focus on him at all. I recognize he's there, but that's it. Greater is he that's in me. And by the way, God puts a sandbox in which he can play. He can't go anywhere without permission from the boss. This is not two equal sides douching it out. No way. God is omnipotent, which means he has what? All power. All power. Deliver us from evil. If God is for us, the Bible says, this is a fact. No one can defeat us. And finally, the tenth common cause of hopelessness. When you feel like the wrong side is winning, and boy, I feel like that right now in America. I think they're both going to hell in a handbasket. And the thing that bothers me is not the politicians. The thing that bothers me is the Supreme Court judges that are going to be appointed. That's a sideshow, the election. The real issue is the moral compass is about to be changed one way or the other. That's the issue. But remember, when I feel like the wrong side is winning, this is not the end of the story. History, H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, is his story. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever. One day, and this is I love it, one day, all tears will be wiped from their eyes. There shall be no more death. The sting of death, gone. No more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All of that's gone forever. This, friends, is not the end of the story. And there are reasons for our certain hope and the anchor of our souls. I want to finish with one promise of hope that's been very near and dear to me very recently. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you go through deep waters and great trouble I will be with you 
Notice, I'm not exempt from deep waters and great trouble. And neither are you. Anything that tells you otherwise is la-la land. Wishful thinking. Remember, Jesus said, whilst you're on earth, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, anybody there right now? When you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression or persecution, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. So when circumstances are escalating and you're sensing a rising tide of hopelessness, You've got to stop listening to your feelings and focus on listening to God. He'll always tell you the truth. You've got to stop listening to what I think and start listening to what God says. And that is the key to anchoring your life on the certain hope that Jesus, and only in him, provides. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for New Hope Family. I know that in a family our size, there are people right today listening to this here in this auditorium and on the internet who feel hopeless right now about their future. Maybe about a loss of a relationship or a job or or their finances. Lord, there are some here who feel alone and abandoned. Would you, by your spirit, help them today to sense that you are their loving Heavenly Father who will never abandon them? There's some here, Lord, who are feeling that life is out of control. Would you help them to feel and to realize that your power is greater than any problem that they will ever face? And there are some that feel it just doesn't matter and there's no purpose in life. Would you help them to realize that you have a plan and you fit everything into the plan, even the tough stuff, and you can use it for good? Lord, there are those who are grieving a loss right now. Thank you that you have a greater purpose for our life and that when we surrender to you and say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we can then find peace and the comfort of your spirit. Lord, there are many people here who don't have what they need. Maybe emotionally, physically, sexually, spiritually or financially. Thank you that you promised to meet all of our needs if we'll turn to you. And there are those who are carrying deep regrets and remorse and guilt for something they've done wrong. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for those sins. You died for them. Those sins have been paid for. And we don't have to pay for them. Thank you that we've been forgiven freely and instantly and completely. May we learn to forgive ourselves and learn to forgive others. And Father, when the people around us wound us and hurt us, help us not to seek revenge. Because you've said vengeance is mine. I will repay. But instead, Holy Spirit, Empower us to forgive 
and leave the judgment to you because you are the only righteous judge. We're not. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to settle a score one day. And when we pull in the wrong direction, help us to claim the promise that you'll never allow us to be tempted more and beyond what we can bear. When we're hounded by fear, Father, deliver us from evil. Help us to remember that in Jesus, you are greater than any other power in this world. And when we live in a culture where things seem to be going the wrong way and it looks like defeat, help us to remember that this is not the end. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. I pray that each of us in the coming season as we move and start to move into this last trimester, as we move towards Christmas, that each one of us, you'll put in our hearts somebody that we can bring to church to share the good news with. Father, it's just too good to keep secret. I pray that we'll be agents of hope in a world that's increasingly hopeless. I pray this blessing in the strong and powerful name, Jesus Christ our eternal hope. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.